You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above, an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Welcome to the One of Us Drag Lounge. I am that tasty treat, your host, Mingelicious. And I want you all to give a One of Us welcome as we bring to the stage. Her voice makes everyone stand to attention. Shattering the glass ceilings. Here we've got three-part harmony. Hello. And of course... Let's hear it up for the Canuck that makes you want to look. Here we've got Brad Jolina. Hello. <laughs> and of course, her fire crotch makes you all warm inside, but don't let it burn you too much. Give it up for George Zam. Why, hello. <laughs> fire I know I have a thing for redhead. Did you really have to fucking use that against me? Girl, we dragon. You know it was always going to be used against you. But of course, we all know why we're here, why we all wait in anticipation. We all know who everybody's talking about. Because everybody's talking about Jamie. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Everybody's talking about the boy in the dress who was born. To impress everybody's talking about Jamie, and soon we're gonna be talking about him too. Because of course we are reviewing everybody's talking about Jamie, an adaptation of the 2017 hit West End musical, which in turn is based on the British TV documentary Jamie Drag Queen at 16, focused on the young Jamie Campbell. And now that I've gotten everybody riled up, who wants to give a synopsis of this lovely musical drag tribute? Our hero slash heroine is Jamie New. And Jamie's 16 and wants to be a drag queen. And that's just beautiful. Jamie is beautiful. There's a song that's named Beautiful. I know. I, uh, I'm trying to be clever. <laughs> <laughs> so he's decided that he wants to come out as a drag queen for a prom, which, you know, sucks on many levels just in general because high school is terrible no matter where you are in the world. And he goes on this wonderful exploration of himself finding his true voice, whether that's as a drag queen or as Jamie. Lovely music. It's oh, so nice. <laughs> so how'd everybody feel about this? Jordam, I know you had some feels. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, this one made me fucking cry like a 
bitch. <laughs> I absolutely loved this. I found it extraordinary. This movie worked on so many levels and also really makes me think that 2021 is going to be an amazing year for Richard E. Grant overall. Right. Because between this and being classic Loki, God, he's just really proving like, yeah, he still fucking got it. He is just tremendously ranged, but also Max Harwood as Jamie is mm -hmm. just a tremendous, like, new breakout talent. Max, he's just sweet and just the kindest kid, and it really comes through in this movie how innocent he is and how... I can't think of enough adjectives to describe him, but, you know, you want to take care of him. You was like, it's okay. It'll be okay. I promise it'll get better. He was really good. And, you know, he was able to portray the vulnerability of being a young queer teenager and dealing with all that baggage that comes with that, especially living in a tiny British town, mm. but also the boldness of being a teenager and being a teenager who wants to be a drag queen that had the potential to be a stereotype on both sides, but he didn't, he was able to find the balance between that vulnerability and that grr fierceness that the character really needs. So kudos to Mr. Harwood for Jamie new. Also really love the mother character. Mom of the year. Let me just <laughs> Mom of the decade, Mom of the Millennium. Mm -hmm. You know, like she's amazing. I loved seeing their relationship, how they portrayed it. It's so warm and loving and she you know she fucks up because all parents do. Sure, yeah. And just loving her child as her child. It was so heartwarming and I loved everything. Mom of the year. <laughs> At the very least. Well, I mean, that's the through line of the story. And, you know, from the real life to the musical to the film, that is the through line. And it's between Jamie and his mom. And the moral of the story is it's okay to be you. Mm -hmm. And that you have people who will support you and you have people that love you. So you don't have to get out of somebody else's box and then promptly put yourself into another box, which a lot of these types of stories do. They're like, oh, in order to rise above the oppression, you just become the opposite. But in turn, that isn't necessarily you either. So it's a lovely story of finding the balance between being yourself and being a caricature of yourself that doesn't tend to get told often. And I really, really appreciate the through line of that message being in all the iterations. And it comes down, really, the core of it is Jamie and his mom and the fact that his mom has loved him from day one. And, you know, she never wanted him to be quote unquote normal because this is her normal. Right. And that's beautiful. That is utterly beautiful. Yeah, and there's some things that you can't nor should protect your children from. But I'd have probably made the same mistakes the mother did, even with the 2020 hindsight. Because, yeah. you know, how do you tell your son, your dad's kind of an asshole and he's not changing? Right, because you don't want to break your kid's heart. That's a lot of her motivation. She just doesn't want to hurt him. Especially as early as, what would you say, that Jamie first saw the beauty and the flair of the pageantry of drag when he was like, what, six, seven years old? Mm -hmm. 
That's really young to tell a child how cruel the world actually is. So I just think maybe a parent can protect their kid. There's probably thousands of books on this, but not forever. But when do you stop doing it when it becomes routine? No, true. Yeah. And I think it helps that, you know, his father's one of the many douchebags from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah. I thought so. <laughs> Ralph yeah. Innocent. He played Dagmar Clefjall. But yeah, I, I adore this. Like I said, one of my notes is, I've lost count of how many times I've cried. Aww. It was absolutely charming, especially just how Jamie was Jamie about everything. Especially when we do see his first drag performance and just how well he puts up with Dean, who I wanted to fucking murder repeatedly. Of course. Dean, who is the stereotypical jock bully. Right. See, who is played by Dean Paxson. Samuel Bottomley is the actor's name. That's a very British name. <laughs> I do like the arc, I know Dean is supposed to be not too much of a character, but he is kind of one of the weaker links of this movie. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, that was, you know, this was a stage, well, is a stage musical. And one of the things in adapting something that was intended for stage to film is that things have to be cut. Things have to be tweaked. And one of the things that I noticed was the reduction of the other children. Oh, yeah. Because in the show, the entire classroom has characters within it that interact with both Jamie and his best friend, Preeti. But in the film, the only focus is on Jamie, his best friend, Preeti, and Dean. And as a yeah. result, it seems like there's just one character, as well as the teacher who are doing the bullying, when it's really an entire environment that's doing the bullying. Okay. And so I can see why it looks a little bit more on the weaker side, it's because you're taking an entire classroom full of people and reducing them into one person. I will say, I did sort of feel that. Like, when this class is first introduced, I was like, okay, so this is going to be one of those schools where everybody's a fucking character. But, yeah, we didn't get much. <laughs> Although, I did really like Lauren Patel as pretty who mm -hmm. by the way does give one hell of a fuck you dean speech yes which was amazing yes that's a great speech and i will say the music here is absolutely fucking fantastic it is baller Although, i must preface this the movie's my only exposure i do feel sacrilege since i found out my favorite song was one made up for the movie and replaced a song from the show right which one is it is that the one that replaces the legend of loco chanel yeah the song being this was me, which was essentially Richard E. Grant's backstory, and just watching that sequence alone is like an emotional gut punch. Yeah, uh -huh. it is. And actually, I wanted to talk about that because you know I have seen the play, and initially that is supposed to be the legend of Loco Chanel, which is the character's drag story. Yes. Like you know, it's campy noir. It's like this dress was white, but now it's red with the blood of her cheating lover. And it's supposed to introduce the audience to the theatrical world of drag. But in this, the change that they made, initially I was like, hey, this isn't the legend of Loco Chanel, but they changed it to such a beautiful, powerful, poignant thing, in that they had it be a flashback in video cassette from 88 to 91. And it's all about legacy. It's all about 
Jamie, you need to keep moving forward because look at how far we've come. Because it's all about the queer worlds that Loco Chanel performed in. And at one point they go to a pride parade and that cheating lover from the play now has died of AIDS. And it's just like, understand where you came from in order to move forward. And it adds such a powerful message of legacy. So it's like, oh my gosh. And maybe this is just me reading a little too much into it, but Harmony pointed it out and I'm like, holy shit, you're right. The person who plays Loco Chanel in those flashbacks is John McCree, yes. who played Jamie in the West End. So you have this thing of, first of all, Loco Chanel is Jamie's mentor. So now you have Jamie becoming his mentor. In the Pride Parade, you have Loco Chanel pulling the film Jamie into the parade. So now you have old Jamie bringing new Jamie into the fold. So it's like this Easter egg adds even more layers on to remember the legacy, remember how far we've come, and move forward. It's and it's just such a beautiful, poignant moment, especially with that little Easter egg. Wow. My mind is being fucking blown right now. <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite parts was the history of Loco Chanel, who I just love that drag name anyways. That's just amazing. Mm. But anytime Mr. Grant, Mr. Grant performed that piece and then also... Um, so that was him singing as well? Into the Fray, my friends. I don't remember what the name of that song is, but oh, I was like boohooing. I think we all agree. Richard E. Grant as a drag queen just makes way too much fucking sense. Oh, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And since we've talked a little bit about the song, Over the Top is the name of that song, Harmony, by the way. Over the Top, It uses you. that Shakespeare line in there. So how do we feel about, I mean, you mentioned a little bit, Jordan, about the music. What about the music and the theatricality and the imagery? How do you feel it worked in a film format? Because again, this was a play doesn't necessarily work sometimes. So how did you feel about the musical aspect of this whole thing? I thought it worked tremendously. Like, Jonathan Butterell, that's the best I'm going to do, <laughs> did such a fantastic job. Like, he directed this amazingly. I thought he did such a tremendous job, but it really does shine when we get to the musical numbers, when it just becomes this grand extravagant celebration, or in one case... When the teacher takes a fucking heel turn all of a sudden, and then we go into a goddamn Madonna music video. <laughs> Work of art was beautiful. I loved the pop art references in that one. It was mm -hmm. so great. No, I did too. Although I was still suddenly going by like, okay, that teacher's a bitch now. Oh yeah, she was kind of the worst there. <laughs> but I thought it really did work. It was dynamic, and I felt like... The original show also had this dynamic direction to its musical numbers, which I feel like might have been done better on the stage. Because here, I still felt it was bursting with life, it was energized, but I could also maybe feel like oh, we're kind of restricted a little bit mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. definitely we're not able to get as much a as scope big. from it as they were able to do on a stage. Maybe my mind will change when I do actually see the stage production, but I will say it was amazing here. I loved it. It was some of the most amazing visuals I've seen this year so far. I very much enjoy when a filmed musical based on a stage adaption takes big swings and risks like this, especially with dance numbers. 
big dance numbers. Of course, they're restrained. The stage isn't big enough on a film set. And the edits and the cuts were also pretty good. And the lead here, uh, Max Harwood. Is he coming from a stage somewhere? Because his voice is huge. He's got a big voice. And a lot of the time when celebrities are in musicals, their voices aren't huge. They're kind of subdued a little bit. Like Johnny Depp in Sweeney Todd has a very meek and timid voice to the big projection of Soddenheim. But like on the other hand, I think Rent is fantastic. And the singing in the Rent movie is amazing. But that's filmed very boring and uninspired. So they're just kind of standing around singing in a movie. Which is, what are you doing? This is a visual medium. Why are you filming it this way? Not even Rosario Dawson could get me to care. (laughs) Right, exactly. Terrible musical film. Is this my final thought? I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, do you want to make it your final thought? Go ahead. Give us your final curtain call, Brad. Give us your final thoughts. I'm actually looking forward to seeing more adaptations of this. Marks Harwood, looking forward to his career. Who directed this? You mentioned it earlier. Jonathan Butterell? Butterell. Yeah, Jonathan Butterell. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what that individual has in store. And this is an all-around great big time. It didn't leave me happy, though. It left me confused. But as the three of you can see, I'm a white straight male. So I don't understand a lot of this oppression. Like, the whole time, I didn't understand where even the cruelty was coming from. Like, what is wrong with it? Are we going to be revealed that is... That his father has a mental disorder, that Dean is... This is a dick kid. How could Dean be this shitty? And my wife and mother-in-law, who obviously have lived very different, non-sheltered lives than me, are like, really? You don't know any people this terrible? (laughs) It's just essentially when you live in a toxic masculine culture, anything that deviates from it is seen as disgusting. Must be put down, basically. Must be destroyed, yeah. Yeah. And it's good that you don't get that, because that means you're not a dick. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And that is beautiful. Well, I'd like to be able to recognize it. Like, if I was hanging out with this Dean guy and suddenly he said something terrible, like he does to Jamie, I'd be like, what What are you doing right now? The three of you would be like, Brad, how did you not notice this guy was a piece of crap? And that bothers me. That concerns me. And the way that that works out kind of happy also kind of bothered me. I had this air of, no, fuck that guy. If anybody talked to my kid that way, I wouldn't even pretend to be proud that they overcame it. I'd be like, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. (laughs) You don't need to talk to him ever again, which I guess I can't get over my own hate there. Which this film kind of says, maybe you should to live a happier (laughs) life. So there's lots of messages going on. To stop my rant, I'm going to give this eight bedazzled pumps out of ten. And let's go to Jordan to give me your thoughts from a very different perspective. Yes. I got to bring up Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead on because it's not just another coming of age queer story. It is, but that film also dealt with the pride movement of the late 80s as well. And I just couldn't stop finding so many parallels between both of these tremendous films. I highly recommend both. But I did have a problem with just how neatly the Dean thing wrapped up. Although I do chalk that up to, okay, we gotta cut some shit. Mm -hmm. But also some of my own experiences and just having to deal with a lot of fucking people even within my own family and 
I don't know. I would have tweaked it where after Pretty's speech, a safe suddenly fell out of the sky and landed on me. <laughs> I don't know how, but... To applause. Acme somehow just appears. <laughs> well, he would have come out of the safe door and then hit by a double-decker tour bus. Very British. But this movie is full of amazing performances and some spectacular spectacular musical numbers and choreography. Again, I know that I lost how many times I've cried during this movie because I really didn't come out much later in life. And part of me was thinking, wow, this is kind of what I would have liked to have worried about as a fucking teenager. This is what I would have loved to have tried to discover much earlier in my life where I feel like that could have saved me so much shit and money too it was an experience going through this i adored it it's one of my absolute favorites and i would happily die for jamie so i will give this nine out of ten gallons and you miss harmonious convergence i like that (laughs) (laughs) i'm harmonious convergence there you go (laughs) Just to echo what everybody else is saying, this is a great, great adaptation of a great musical. It's hard to do. It's hard to do good screen adaptations. I was concerned when we did these kinds of big musical numbers that, you know, they did it kind of like it's all in Jamie's head. It's like, oh, it's going to be like Chicago and not go very well, you know, or just be kind of weird. But it worked so well. And the whole show is this reaffirming of life and love and familiar relations and people that you look up to and you know having somebody to guide you and really just coming down to being yourself and who doesn't need to hear that that's amazing for me yeah dean kind of wraps up a little too easy but i'm also glad that they didn't like make it where dean was like in love with him the whole time or something because that would have pissed me off too you know (laughs) so he just kind of represents all the ills of the world falls on the character of dean highly recommend it please go see this movie or please watch on amazon it's absolutely worth it i'm gonna give it nine out of ten flawless eyebrow applications For those who haven't seen it, that's an engine. <laughs> I am a stage actress primarily, and so I love plays. I love watching plays. I love being in plays. Plays are my jam. They fill me with life. So I watch a lot of them from like YouTube, and this just happened to pop up in my recommendations. And I'm like, huh, here's a professionally filmed stage play that I know nothing about. Let's do this. And I became enthralled with this story. John McCree was so beautiful in the role. And the story was so charming and so sweet. And having it be a story about loving yourself for who you are, even if it's not in your face. Because a lot of what people think of when I'm making myself, especially when you're that young, you're like, I must make myself. And it's like, no, it's okay for you to be you. And again, as Harmony said, who does not need to hear that? I know I can relate to this story, even though I'm not a queer person. I think anybody who has had to battle with themselves over whether or not they have value can absolutely relate to this story and have the message be, yes, you do. And you have value being, being who you are. And it's just, we need that message when it comes to adapting something from the stage. A lot of modern adaptations tend to suck. So I was a wee bit worried going in. 
there are things that could have been tweaked a little better, just the awkwardness of changing from one medium to another. But ultimately, this is a very well done version of converting a stage play to a film. It looks good. The dance scenes, albeit you are absolutely right, Jordan, they are limited by being on a film set. There were parts of it that felt confined because they were on a set that would have been different on stage. But all in all, the tweaks that had to be made that were a little awkward didn't hurt the film too much. And it didn't affect the power of the story. I loved it. Watch it. Watch the stage play, too. There is a professionally filmed version of it that is easy to watch. I found it on YouTube, and it is brilliant. And the film is brilliant as a result. It'll make you happy. It'll make you feel warm and loved. And again, we need that in this world. Highly recommend it. So I am going to give it 9 out of 10 cameos from the real Jamie Campbell. Because one of the best parts I felt, again, it goes to Legacy, is that in the end credits, there's Jamie and his mom, the real ones. And there were scenes where it's like, wait, is this part of the actual film? Because they were kind of shot for shot the same. It's like, no, this is the documentary. (laughs) And to know that this stuff, the main events of the play, albeit they are very dramatized, this actually happened to Jamie. Like, I know Jordan, you and Brad lamented what happened with Dean. But here's the thing. Jamie went to prom and address, got pushed back by the administration. And one of the things that he said was even his bullies stood up for him to be able to wear his dress to prom. And he was blown away by that. That's pretty awesome. So it's like, there's always hope. There's always hope. That is lovely. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a... Very good message, yeah. You know, it turns out the younger generation I've noticed, because I live in a conservative town for Canada, (laughs) but the youth here is very open about people just being themselves, and it makes me very happy. Because I have eight kids, you know, who knows what eight different human beings are going to turn out to be. I have to be open to everything if I'm going to be a successful good parent. (laughs) You're going to mess up, but you'll be great. Look at it this way. Half of them could be doctors, so you'll be sad. I believe that children are the future. I could use a boathouse, son.